the whole point of these, uh, the reason why we read it out this way is to be a little bit more poetic. I got you. <laughs> you bastard. I thought it was great content. Welcome, everybody, to Bad Voltage Season 3, Episode 21. Um, it's good to have you all here. I hope you're all safe and well. How are you doing, Mr. Langridge? How are you doing, Mr. Garcia? Yeah, you know, as well as could be expected in these interesting times. Fun, fun time. I feel like this 10 seconds of the show has been the same for a year now. I uh, know. Yeah, right. we, we are recording this on Tuesday, the 19th of January. So things are all pretty up in the air right now. It's interesting. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens tomorrow. Um, by the way, before we go on and talk about what's in this show, um, it should be noted that uh, the Bad Voltage Artist Relations Publication Department in Mr. Garcia has successfully put Bad Voltage on Spotify. Yay! Ah, yes, we have. It turned out that the Bad Voltage IT department that's responsible for our email hasn't been doing a very good job recently. No, no, So now we no, can receive the email. You. You, you can now actually email us at show at badvoltage.org, and we will see the email and be able to respond to it. So, so, so We probably won't respond, but we, we could do. So, baby, so. I'm, not a, I'm not a Spotify person. So you can just go to Spotify and just search for Bad Voltage and we show up, right? Yes. Yes. Spotify is a is a service where music and podcasts appear, and you can press the play button and listen to Shut them. Shut up! I know what Spotify the... is. <laughs> I, I haven't used it since they did the podcast thing. Yeah, so it's great. Do they, yeah. Our podcast just mixed in with everything else, or do you have to go into like a special podcast bit or something? No, just do a search. Uh, open up Spotify, do a search, and you can find everything in there. So good job, Jeremy. It's kind of like if you go to uh, Amazon and type in Bad Voltage, you do get our podcast, but you do get a hilarious looking book from a long time ago. Jonathan Same with this. If you, search for, for, if you search for Bad Voltage, you get uh, a couple of interesting looking uh, artists and a couple of interesting albums, one particularly funny looking. Uh, and then our po- we are the only podcast with Bad Voltage in it. Hooray! Uh, all, yeah. are all the past shows on it. Yes. Excellent. So it picked up the full the full fat RSS feed. Go and check it all out. So go, go and subs- go and subscribe to us on um, Spotify, and then we can see that you've done it. I think so. That would be cool. Yes, exactly. Do, are there reviews? Leave a review on Spotify saying that we're the best tech podcast. I think you can leave us like a rating, right? But then, yeah. le- then uh, five, unless it goes up to ten, at which point ten. <laughs> but actually, while we're talking about it, for those of you who listen through the podcast, the app, Apple Podcast thingy go and leave a review on there as well because we don't have many reviews on the apple podcast thingy probably because we don't know what it's called and refer to it as the <laughs> apple podcast thingy um, <laughs> <laughs> so go and leave us a review but let's talk about uh the show today we are going to talk about the remarkable two tablet this is an e-ink tablet some of you may remember from a while back we did a show about kind of digital solutions in a kind of an analog way and we talked about a tablet where you can write ideas down and it feels like paper well i bought one of these things and i'm going to do a review of it my two compadres are going to ask a bunch of questions and jeremy may or may not buy one while we're recording the show <laughs> live on the show yeah, just to set this up i put one in my cart before the show started and by the end of the show i will either click buy or remove from cart yeah 
So Mr. Tightwad Langridge has not done this. <laughs> <laughs> I I have not. Um because I, <laughs> Actually, I, 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 mean, got- I mean we had a very we had a very interesting discussion, but and spoiler alert here, listeners. I knew I didn't want this thing going in, and the discussion didn't change my mind that much. It moved the needle slightly, but not that much. I'm surprised you didn't say, and I have also got a shopping cart with a Bic pen in it. <laughs> one piece of paper. I, do actually, I do actually need to buy some biros. There's, like, where do all your biros go? I assumed that someone breaks in every night and steals my socks and biros. I mean- and if you've got a pot of pens on your desk, Half the pens in there, I don't remember buying them. I've got no idea where they came from, and all the ones I did buy aren't there. It's really annoying. Yep. <laughs> I have the same thing with underwear. There's many pairs of pants that I've got. I have no idea where they came from. That Possibly my mum bought them years ago, <laughs> and they travel to America. If you made a list of topics I did not think we would be discussing in this intro, <laughs> this is so high up that list. <laughs> well, You might say remarkably high. I was going to say, the fact that Jono um, crawls through the gardens and yards of people next to him and steals their underpants, I find remarkable. <laughs> oh, Hang on. Boy, if I, even worse. If, if I was to, for example, in the hypothetical future of not recording that segment yet, make a joke about remarkable, <laughs> I imagine that you two will give me shit in a very hypocritical kind of way. Yes. yes. Well... And this is the reason why we've got no reviews on the Apple podcast thingy, by the way. Well, so, welcome uh, to the big list. We, we should also add that we had intended this segment actually to be somewhat short and had we're going to cover another topic. We did not get to that topic, but we will get to that topic next show. So, Yes. All right. As I've descended into my early 40s, I've discovered that the setting and mindset I'm in enormously influences my work. I'm energized at conferences, inspired at concerts, emboldened when I'm brainstorming ideas with friends and clients. The Remarkable 2 e-ink writing pad is part of a broader strategy to help me get in the right setting and mindset. The story goes back to the beginning of COVID. Through no particular coincidence, I started exploring creating some online training courses. It's something I'd flirted with for a while, and a looming pandemic served to be a good kick in the ass to get going. Creating these courses was a mammoth undertaking, creating a curriculum, producing the video material, generating the worksheets, editing the course together, and much more. While the delivery of the work was hard, the most challenging bit was coming up with the structure of the courses, distilling complex ideas down into simple and easy-to-navigate learning content. Now, my saviour here was paper. I'd sit at our dining room table or out in our backyard with countless scraps of paper, emblazoned with hastily jotted down ideas, connected with arrows, highlighted with boxes, and broadly forming a plan. It looked like my GCSE homework back from when I was 16, a scribbled mess to anyone else, but to me, genuine ideas and plans forming right in front of me. I was surprised by how well the paper worked, and in fact we did a Bad Voltage episode about this a while back. What worked so well was that the friction between an idea and noting it down was almost eliminated. No navigating Google Docs, no having to reauthenticate for some godforsaken reason, no endless stream of notifications, DMs, Slack messages, emails, and the temptation of the web and YouTube to distract. Just real, focused, creative work. Then, late in bed one night, I saw an Instagram ad for The Remarkable 2. Now, I'd seen the first version of this thing a while back and forgot about it, but emboldened by how great paper was, the idea of being able to remove the limitations of paper, such as losing sheets, crumping them up, getting them smudged, keeping them in order, and copying them easily, I was hooked. 
I bought it at 2.30am and was informed that I needed to wait months to get it. Now, I wasn't alone in my enthusiasm. Reddit was full of Remarkable 2 customers who'd pre-ordered, eagerly waiting for their batch to be chosen and shipped to them. I could see why. This thing is a pretty sexy little device. Now, in concept, the idea is simple. It's a big e-ink pad that's designed to be written on with a stylus. Think of it as a Kindle that you can scribble on. But Remarkable have created something, well, remarkable. Firstly, it is beautiful. It's the thinnest tablet in the world at 4.7 millimeters thick with a large writable area that is nine and a half inches by seven inches, complete with an elegant aluminium side stripe. It's the perfect size, about the size of a sheet of paper and slender enough to fit into a bag or a purse. It looks and feels premium, whether sitting on your lap or gripped to the table with its subtle rubber feet. It also includes a single button and a single port, a USB-C port to charge the thing with. Now, while the Remarkable 2 comes with a pen, I upgraded and got the Marker Plus. This is a slightly weightier, more premium pen, but importantly, you can flip the pen over and use the other side of it as an eraser, just like a normal pencil. Now, you can erase things with the stock pen by tapping on the right toolbar icon, but I like the idea of flipping the pen around to erase it. It just kind of, it makes it a little simpler and easier to use, and it was the right decision. I use the eraser all the time, so definitely get a Marker Plus. Now the hardware has the usual gubbins, 2.4 gigahertz, 5 gigahertz Wi-Fi, a gigabyte of RAM, and eight gigabytes of storage, and it includes a 3000 milliamp hours battery. Now, I don't particularly care about Wi-Fi and RAM, but the storage is enough for thousands and thousands of pages of writing, and a battery that lasts literally weeks. Two weeks, in fact. The battery life is incredible. Now, I know what you really wanna know here. Does it feel like paper? Put simply, yes. It even makes that scratching sound that you hear when you scribble on a piece of paper with a pencil. If you were expecting this to feel like writing on a glass tablet with a stylus, you'd be totally wrong. This is nothing like that at all. It really does feel like paper and the responsiveness is impressive. It also has built-in pressure sensitivity, which while no particularly big deal for me, that's a big deal if you're an artist who sketches drawings. Now, you can still tell that you're writing on a device as the ink kind of fades into view, albeit very quickly, but it doesn't feel like writing on glass. Features-wise, it's decent. In terms of writing, it has everything you could need. You can create different notebooks. It has different virtual pen types and sizes, such as a mechanical pencil and a calligraphy pen. You can highlight your writing and diagrams and copy, and you can move and paste them. It's got multiple layers in documents, just like in a paint program, and you can sync your notes to the cloud or send them via email. It also has a neat little feature where you can connect your Remarkable 2 to your computer and live stream what you're writing. It's a bit laggy, but it works quite well. Now, the handwriting recognition is yeah, reasonable. My writing is unbelievable chicken scratch, and I use a lot of visual symbols when I'm creating my material. Arrows, boxes, underlining, stars, etc. It's done a decent enough job at recognizing my handwriting, but I just haven't felt I needed this feature. I'm not using this for taking notes in meetings. I use Evernote for that. I use this for really creative thinking and ideation, and when the ideas are in place, I then move them over to a digital setting by hand. Now, where this falls down a little bit, according to the whiners on Reddit, is the ebook reading features. Apparently, a lot of people want to use this like a Kindle, and it misses many of the features that the Kindle has and comes across as a bit of a basic e-reader. Now, I don't really care about that. I read in bed at night, and the Remarkable 2 doesn't have a backlight because, you know, it's not an ebook reader. So, overall, I love it. It isn't cheap, coming in at $399, and then another $99 for the Marker Plus, but I've found it to be an invaluable tool in my toolbox. And it's really made coming up with ideas, forming them into plans and being creative just a lot more fun. Well recommended.
By the way, can I make something very clear? You, you when can. I start reading out a script for a review, hearing language giggling in the background, all right, at the beginning of this is very distracting. <laughs> Why was I giggling? Was oh, it at the well, uh, remarkable is remarkable, or was it the fact that you bought this thing because of an Instagram ad? No, 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 no. It was even before that. It was the, I am energized at conferences, inspired at concerts, emboldened when I'm brainstorming ideas with friends and clients. I expect you to go on and say, my mind is aglow with whirling transient nodes of thought careening through a cosmic vapor of invention like Hedley Lamar. <laughs> he has found his massively transformational purpose. What can I say? <laughs> The whole point of these, uh, the reason why we read it out this way is to be a little bit more poetic. I got you. <laughs> you bastard. I thought it was great content. I'm, I'm just, um, right, I'll get you for that. I'm just waiting for, I'm just waiting for Tagger to show up and go ditto at the end of it. Um, right, so that aside, it, interesting. I, I, um, I think it would be useful to compare and contrast this. Um, mm. with uh, something written by a friend of the show and past guest presenter, Alan Pope. Because yes. Popey has, was debating by The Remarkable too, and uh, I mm. knew he was doing, uh, I knew he was talking about or thinking about buying one, and I knew that we had this review coming up and that you had bought one. So I was staying quiet in the hope that there'd be some kind of useful comparison, and then he decided not to. And he, oh, bought, okay. he bought a thing called the Rocket Book instead. And okay. that seems really interesting. And part of the reason I wanted to bring this up is when we talked about, um, as you mentioned in the review, we talked in the past about the idea of using paper for things and how there are downsides to using paper. Things get crumpled up or whatever and um, yeah, harder to digitize and so on and so forth. Um, but there are advantages to it, like it never runs out of batteries and so on. And Remarkable have gone one way in solving this problem, and it seems they've done a reasonable job for you. The Rocket Book people have yep. gone a slightly different way, which is this is one of those actual pads that you can write on, yeah, well, right? Yeah. And, it, and uh, then you can OCR it, it into. It, well, what it is is it's essentially a thing which is the shape of a notebook, but instead of p paper in it, it's got oh, uh, basically a whiteboard, right? And right. then and then you just write on it with pens. You've got to use their particular type of pen, but they're not like super weird pens they're these friction pens they're called and they're like three quid each or something and you write on it with this and then just take a picture of it with the with the app that comes with it and then it uploads it for you and keeps it all and it can do the same sort of handwriting stuff which you're not particularly interested in anyway and it felt to me like instead of going let's take an electronic device and make it a bit more like paper they've gone let's make paper bit more like an electronic device right and it felt but like you have to really... take a picture of it with an app yeah yeah it's basically an ocr app and then they sell yeah. you a pack to write on the, with the, some markings on it the question there was is, another one that came out a, a while back something similar to this but i've seen this before yeah, yeah. i mean I, I thought it was interesting for a couple of reasons the first one is yeah um the idea of taking a picture with it seems slightly more clunky than the thing doing it itself. I agree with that. But equally, it's a tenth the price. Right? Yeah. This thing is 40 quid rather than 400 quid. And there's no extra yeah. 100 pounds for the pen either. And and so, yeah. to me, it felt like quite a, a, you know, a, a little bit of tech coming into a low-tech solution rather than taking quite a high-tech solution to make it feel low-tech. And so that's what I wanted yep. to um, talk to you about um, 
do a marketable yeah. tour about. I mean, I, I completely agree. Um, people on Reddit go, well, why isn't it basically a Kindle as well as being this? Like, that's not what it's for. If you want, if you right. want a thing to read ebooks, buy a Kindle to do that. It's amazing. It, it has been amazing watching. Because you know when I when I when I saw the ad, and I want to I want to get something very clear, okay? I am embarrassed that I bought this from an Instagram ad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really use Instagram because, well, you can end the sentence there however you wish, <laughs> listeners. Um, but I actually weirdly have found that ads on Instagram are uh, much more interesting to me. I don't know why, and I think we're going to do another show at some point in the future about about advertising. Is we that, should, is but that because um, you're an influencer now. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. I'm a solopreneur, apparently. No, is that, that is word. that a word? That's oh, what people, yeah, solopreneur. Hang on, no, yeah. wait, I, am I a, fun my own company? Yes, you are as am well. I, am You're I a solopreneur? solopreneur? Okay. No, the difference is that you've already been massively transformed. <laughs> you know, it's around pasties, but it's not around, but the, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I feel like I was massively <laughs> transformed by the world's largest <laughs> sausage roll, rather than Instagram influencing. Wow. But, um, but what well, you know? Uh, so what happened is I went and bought it, and then yeah, there was like about three month delay before I got it, and I went and joined the um, uh, the subreddit around the remarkable, and I've never seen such a bunch of whiners, people complaining, but also remarkable seemed to not handle the communications very well. But so many people whining about something like why isn't it this thing that it completely isn't? You know, it's it's ridiculous. So I actually had a couple of questions because I was potentially interested in this, and I I agree if you want to buy a e-reader. I don't know why you would spend $400 on this when the Kindle is much, much, much less expensive and an actual e-reader good at being an e-reader. So uh, putting that use case completely aside, what I found interesting is, is how you're using it in that how I was ideally wanting to use it was to take notes in meetings or just to have on my desk to be able to jot things down. But how it would be useful to me, and it doesn't seem like it does this, and I was curious if you had used it like this, but it sounds like your use case is slightly different. But I'd like a to-do notebook where if I scribble in a bunch of to-dos, they end up in Todoist because that's what I use for to-dos. And it doesn't seem like they have any integrations whatsoever. So if it's siloed off to their cloud, I don't know the difference between the terrible solution of just taking a picture of your notes, which is not a digital solution. So I guess I don't understand in any way how this thing is useful. I, I have... Um while you're answering that question, I had a separate question, but I think you'd probably be answering the same things in the same places. Is it dependent on their service? I mean, obviously you can write on it and it can store things within itself, but ignoring integrations with other stuff, if they go bust tomorrow, which is, you know, not beyond the realms of possibility, especially if they get bought by Google, who will shut them down in two years. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, if, their, if their server goes away, can you upload things from it to anywhere else? Are the things it uploads just JPEGs, or are they some weird, remarkable format? Are you even allowed to know this? What? So um, let's cover both of those. With yours, Ak, I need. I don't honestly kn I know, obviously, they've got their own cloud thing that they do. You can email notes to yourself as well. But that also requires their service. It would have to. I'm assuming it uploads. To, I'm assuming it uploads to the cloud and then emails it from there rather than. Uh, did you have yeah, to? Did you point. have to teach it about an email server? Uh, well, I mean, I registered. I registered an account on their thing, but I, honestly, I haven't used yeah. it. If I've you, not if needed if to you, get anything. If you didn't have to give it SMTP details, it's using their cloud service to do it. <laughs> right. That's a, yeah. That's a good point. Um, so, 
And I think that they said that they sync with Dropbox as well, but I'd need to look that up. But I don't know. I don't know. And one of the things that a lot of the people on Reddit have been complaining about is the dependency on their cloud service. So it's something to bear in mind. Now, who knows? I don't know whether they'll change that or whatever, but it's something to bear in mind. For me, like I said, what I tend to do is I tend to use it as... I was doing this when I was using paper and I'd be designing like, like I say, a training course and I'd be putting all these ideas down and then I'd periodically take pictures with my phone just in case the piece of paper got eaten by the dog or whatever because there'd be like little index cards that I was putting all over the table. But what I now do is I design everything on the on the Remarkable and then when I want to put together my kind of lesson plan, I'll just literally go and type that up um in, in a google doc because a lot of the information that's in on the remarkable i don't need it's the, the the remarkable information is really just me thinking through the process now a lot of people won't operate that way and i think that's where the ocr thing should work um but like i say i my first of all my handwriting is bad and secondly i just have so many like arrows and boxes and everything all over the place that um, i don't think it would work I thought for anymore. a minute you're gonna say you then print them out it would have been amazing if you took a digital device <laughs> scribbled on it, uploaded well, it, printed it out, and then just for you. I, I right. mean, apart from the fact that it's a tech gadget and you like tech gadgets, what are you getting out of it for it being an e-ink device with a pen that costs a hundred quid that you that you're not getting out of a piece of paper? Does it does it actually give you things you like, or does it just? It, it sounds like he's spending four hundred dollars as insurance to not lose his ideas, which is available. Well, like if your yeah, risk I mean, model well, is losing ideas, that's four hundred dollars well spent to me. Yeah, this this is exactly what I'm asking. I mean, I'm assuming it's then got every page you've ever written in it, and right. they'll remain there, right? Now, and before that's, I and get that's to that, locally I, I, backed <clears throat> up and so on. It's and, and you right. can get it off there without their cloud service. Like I said, I I, I haven't dug into that. Yet. I've only had it for like a month or so. Um, before I get to that, I want to go back to Jeremy's question about the to do thing. To my knowledge, you're right, Jeremy. I don't think there's a lot of integration with, or any integration with, even with these But even Evernote is probably the most popular note-taking app. I don't use it, but you clearly think, do. It would be weird. It is weird that they don't have an I integration think, with a note-taking app, given what it is. I think that they, I think I saw that they do integrate with Evernote. I'm looking it up now. I don't this, know. I might be wrong. This feels to me like one of those things where part of the reason it hasn't happened, I mean, and this is utter speculation, to be clear. I have no knowledge about this, is that... Some, some, an Evernote and a remarkable person get together and say, okay, let's talk about an integration. And Evernote go, no problem. Um, just pay us this much and you can put Evernote in it. And the remarkable guy goes, okay, no problem. Evernote, just pay us this much and we'll put your thing well, on Evernote our Evernote has an API, so it's not up there. <laughs> uh, are, right. are you allowed to ship a product which integrates with it? I don't know. I don't I mean, know. Can you use the API? Um, yes. I don't, I don't know what that so means. So I... I don't know. I, I mean, it's rare that you see hardware devices shipping with support out of the box for someone else's cloud service. But I don't know whether that's a legal thing or because they don't want to provide free customers to someone else or what. I I, 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 I honestly don't know. don't know why people don't do that more, you see. And I'd assume yeah. there was some kind of legal you're not allowed to do this yeah there's the api if you download our app or someone else's app after so, so but you're not allowed to if, ship a device which does it also i don't i don't know so what i think they should do <clears throat> because one thing that's included in the remarkable is they have all of these like different types of paper so for example they've got a, a template in there which looks like a to-do list right it's got the little box and then you write on the line okay and i would have imagined 
that it would be dead simple for their OCR to scan those lines because it's not like my like when I'm writing, I'm sketching at different angles and everything's all over the page. Whereas if you're writing on a on a like a set of lines, and then if you tick a box, then being able to reflect that back into something like Todoist, it seems like they should be able to do that. Um, doesn't seem like a difficult engineering problem, but to my knowledge today, they don't do a lot of that. Um, for me, like I say, I don't, I don't take notes on it for two reasons. One is um, I can't write fast enough. Um, and when I'm on calls with people, I'm usually on a video call. So what I do is, not that our listeners can see this right now, is my webcam is above a smaller screen below my larger screen. And I have like Evernote on one side and then the Zoom window on the other. So I can stay engaged with my person I'm chatting to and take notes and they can hear me typing. If I had a tablet, I'd be looking down um, and seemingly potentially distracted. But I know, for example, Erica, she she takes lots of notes on a written pad. In fact, I got her a Remarkable for Christmas. So I think some people will, if you're going to take notes in it, I think that if, it, if the OCR doesn't work well for you or if you can't get them into a note-taking software... I probably re- wouldn't recommend the, the Remarkable because I just don't think it's going to work well for you. I think you're right, Jeremy. If that's one of the u- the use cases that you want it for, then maybe not. For me, there's going no, back to there's your no, po- There's no facility to run third-party apps on it or anything, right? So not currently. You, you can't no. install some other thing which so someone else could write the Todoist integration or whatever. I don't. I didn't think so, there was anything like that, but I don't know if they talked about it. This this is where I think that the the they have some problems is that. Like I said in the in the review, the software does everything that I need it to do for my use case, but my use case might be very narrow. Um, the software is definitely lacking compared to what it should be able to. Like it should be able to integrate with note-taking solutions and to-do lists and whatever else. It should be easier to do that. It isn't. Now, I, I, I would be surprised if they don't start adding that in because there's a lot of people who've bought this who are demanding it. Um, and I think now they're finally getting through their backlog, backlog of orders They'll probably start being able to focus on that. But there's no guarantee that that's going to happen. Um, going back to your question, Ak, about using it, the reason why I like I find this more useful than paper is that when I'd be doing paper, for example, I was sat in the I was sat in the dining room one evening mapping out one of these courses, and there were little index cards that I'd cut out of paper scattered all over the place, right? I went for a pee. Um, I came back and the dog had jumped on the chair and smashed all the paper everywhere and everything was in the wrong kind of order and it was crumpled up and all the rest of it. So that is one thing that I like. Having everything recorded is good. Also, like when I have these bits of paper, I'll go and transfer it over to, you know, my Google Doc where I'll start building out the lesson plan. But then I might want to reference the paper two months later on when I'm revisiting the course or something like that. And then invariably, I've chucked it out or it's buried in a pile somewhere. I like ever, ha- having everything there. And the other thing I like, which is, this is all convenience, is that I can sit in a chair with the Remarkable and do this instead of requiring a big table to map all of these things out. And often when I'm coming up with ideas, I'm constantly erasing bits of text from index cards and having to write it in. And it gets all it gets all scuffed up and all the rest of it. It's just more convenient. Ah, now that that leads on to a second question that I had. Um, First of all, uh, I grant your point about having it all backed up. Um, that's an extremely useful facility that you never lose anything. Uh, uh, it's all in one place. You have got bits of paper scattered all over the place that are underneath stuff on your desk or dust or whatever. Completely agree right. with that. Um, the way you solve the problem of um, the dog getting in there and messing up your index cards is you take your $400 and you buy 
a sack and half a dozen bricks and then keep $395. (laughs) Um, That is um, very unkind. (laughs) Wow. Well, dog dog only comes in and messes up my plan one time. Be warned, dogs of the universe. But... Yeah, but you're a cat person, so your opinion doesn't count. Correct. Um, um, But more interestingly, if you... If you look at sci-fi things, right, where people are going around taking notes on extra sketches or whatever, um, <laughs> there's always been sort of two, well, two or maybe three promises from that. One of them is that all the stuff you've ever written is in there, which this has. A second one is that it's a sort of portal to all the information in the universe, which this isn't, because that's not what it's for. It's not designed to be a tablet. But the third thing is that not only can you write on it like it's a piece of paper, but you can do things like draw a ring around something and then move it to somewhere else on the page, which paper can't do. Can the Remarkable do that? Or is it just emulating paper? So that's one of the things that I should have mentioned earlier on. Like I say, the way I tend to think of – and this is – I'm just talking very specifically about um, building these courses, but I think this could apply to other things as well. I tend to think of it as in in – in index cards, right? So if I've like, okay, I'm going to build a course that's going to cover five things. The first thing, I'll put the name of it at the top of the index card and I'll start writing out the kind of things I want to cover and how I'm going to present that information. But then maybe I need to move some things from that index card to a different one. So with the Remarkable, what I can do is I can go and literally click on the highlighter tool, draw a circle around it, and then I can copy it and put it in or move it to a different part of the page or copy it to a different page or I can duplicate it and it just means it's easier to kind of move right. everything around. Now, it's a little bit slow because it's an e-ink reader. And it, as everybody knows, e-ink readers just refresh more slowly, right? But So it's it, not it, a minority find... report interface. It's a little... <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah, no. exactly. Um, but that's, Nothing that's is something ever I've... the minority report interface. It's really disappointing. <laughs> so this almost seems like a reverse pixel and that the hardware legitimately does seem very nice, probably top of the top end. But the software is yeah. just not very good. The software, I think the software is good enough for me. But I think if you're using this for note taking, it's really lacking. Um, and uh, the hardware is, I was looking at some other um, uh, similar devices like this. So not, I'm excluding the rocket books and the actual paper pads, like e-ink e- e- devices. The hardware blows everything else out of the water from what I can tell. Um, it it really is a genuinely every time I pick it up I look at it I'm like fuck this is nice and I don't get that with a lot of devices uh, I'm so. genuinely so I put a Remarkable 2 in a cart at the beginning of this episode <laughs> purposely didn't read ah. your review ahead of time and it was going to make a decision and either buy it on the air or remove it from my cart and based on this I'm going to remove it Ooh. which I'm a little bit bummed about if it if it suited that use case of taking notes and uh, just being something I could scribble on and have it appear in whatever ecosystem I'm in. But it seems to me the main advantage of something being online is that data isn't siloed. Like As weird as it sounds, if you write something on a piece of paper, it's siloed. Where being yeah. an online connected digital device that is then still siloed, just is, it's not there for me yet. Uh, hopefully they get there, though. It's a cool concept. And I hope the Remarkable team somehow hear this, because I think you are you you are a much more prevalent use case than me it, it does like, sound quite lots like lots of people you, want to take notes you yeah. know um slalom skiers um go down hill swaying from side to side through the gates it feels like um it's a useful it's useful to you 
but there's a whole bunch of other things that people want this to do, which you've slalomed around because you don't need them, and therefore you stay on the path of remarkable righteousness. But an awful lot of people are going to have fallen off this train at some point during this discussion with a, oh no, it's siloed, oh no, it's... Well, ah. And I think remarkable to the the company has to be just as cognizant of use cases they don't want. So like, to me at least, saying no to any e-reader function seems like a no-brainer. Like it should be able to open a yes. PDF and it already does that. And the annotating yeah. PDFs is super useful, but like, don't try to compete with the Kindle because you're going to lose. I mean, that was another yeah. question. And I, uh, we don't want to get into this too much because I agree with you. It shouldn't be trying to be a, a Kindle. But if it can open an EPUB, what more do you want from it? If they're complaining, you know, it, it doesn't let me do things like re- um, organize all the things I've put in there by author and show me their cover art or whatever, then, yeah, that's not, I wish it had more Kindle-like features. That's, I want it to be a Kindle. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, I expect literally anything with an e-ink screen on it to be a Kindle as well as everything else it does. So I don't have to have two devices. And I can see the remarkable people going, that's not what it's for. I think I think what they what and uh, this is going from memory from a while back, so this maybe di- this might not be a hundred percent right. But I think what what they the e-reader lunatics are missing is things like searching within documents, uh, previewing pages, resizing pages. Wait, 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 wait. It can't search within things you've written. I don't like like I say I don't know that. But if, were... if it can't, what's the point in it OCRing things? That's literally the only reason you OCR anything, so you can search. No, I'm t- I'm talking about within books, like within eBooks, like you know, like on a, on a Kindle, you can go and there's like the X-ray, and you can find common terms, and you can search within a book for a certain keyword and things like that. Right. Okay. They were they were talking about like often basic features like that are missing one thing i do want to talk about make sure i don't forget is the hackability of the of the, of the remarkable which we should talk about well that, um, that i i want to go on to but I, I mean i don't have any more questions about the thing it's it's not for me um but i can imagine someone who has pretty similar use cases to you and doesn't have the use cases that jeremy has might find this useful I, i'm still i was pretty impressed with the idea of this whiteboard notebook thing because it feels, yes, having to take your phone out and take a picture of a page once you've done it is a bit clunky. I agree with you, but it's not that clunky. Clunky enough that I would, with 100% certainty, stop doing it within a week. <laughs> yeah, I, I, would never use, I would never do it. And also, like, why don't you just write on a regular piece of paper and take a picture of that? Yeah. Why do you need their notebook for it? Like, what's the point? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not. This is not a pitch for rocket books. It's a pitch against digital right. tablets for this kind of thing. But being being devil's like, well, frankly, not being devil's advocate, just being a dick. Don't, yeah, yeah. First of all, don't <laughs> like, be devil's advocate. Right? Have you not seen this year and how it's become? The devil doesn't need any more freaking uh, advocates. <laughs> <laughs> but like uh, uh, saying, okay, you can. T- this becomes some kind of more integrated e ebook style thing by just saying this is just a regular notepad and we built an app that you can take pictures of it and it does some OCR. That seems like a stretch to me. I mean, I'm sure that it's useful. And like you say, we're talking about two very different price brackets. Yes. Like if, this, if, that, if the Rocket Book was $400, I think it would be universally panned. Um, but it's much cheaper and it's much more affordable. So um, yeah, but I think what would be amazing that, again, Remarkable should do is, can you imagine if in Jeremy's use case, you've got the you can say, okay, I want to create my to-do list notebook. And then you can write things in each of the little spaces as you're going through it. 
And then it would not only sync that to somewhere like Todoist, but when you go and mark that as completed in Todoist, it would, because it knows where the boxes are in the template, it would be yeah. able to update them on the on the remarkable too, or even delete them. So it seems like I don't understand why they're not doing this. It seems but. like endless possibilities, but a very early stage product, I guess. Yes, I think I think that's right, and I think frankly, Jeremy, if that's your use case, you're probably better off not buying it. Um, should we talk about the hackability? Yes. I, I am very genuinely curious about the hackability. Yeah. So one thing that has been very interesting is that um, apparently uh, building code that runs on top of the Remarkable is very, very straightforward. Now, I haven't dug into this in a lot of detail, but I'm sure that it's run in Linux like everything else is. But you can actually... I believe that you can get a shell and you can upload binaries into onto the remarkable. So for example, there is a project called RM Hacks. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. So to be clear, I asked about third party apps and you said no. This is essentially jailbreaking it, right? This is people doing unauthorized third party stuff to it. It's just quite easy to do that. Right. So this yeah, is, this so is not a supported use case. If you go back to you go back to Remarkable and go, hey, my Remarkable doesn't work after I installed RM Hacks. They're going to be like, <laughs> get out of the office. Yeah, so, right, yeah. Okay. Exactly. Essentially what they are, they're, they're, they're binary patches that you can upload to it. And apparently it's dead simple to, to upload to it. So what's actually happened, what's been interesting, is a lot of the things that are missing in the official software that comes with a Remarkable have been built into third-party um, binaries that people are running on top of them. So a lot of the ebook reader things that are missing, for example, have been implemented and then added to it. And there's actually a really thriving little community of people who are who are building this, you know, who are who are building all kinds of different um, hacks that run on top of it. Now, you know, I think of course your mileage is going to vary in terms of whether those <laughs> hacks do yeah. what you want it to do. Um, but I just think it's it's cool that. They haven't gone the way of so many hardware companies of doing everything that they can to stop people running that kind of stuff on it. Do like, you do you know that they haven't? Uh, I've not seen any evidence that they've that they've tried to either legally or technically stop people. So, so they they must be aware of this and they've done nothing to attempt to prevent it. Yeah, but they haven't gone the extra step to going. Okay, we're going to put a thing hidden in the settings which you can turn it on and then that just opens it up to third party right. stuff or whatever like i mean uh, you know from what i can tell and i'm just looking at the github page for remarkable hacks i mean you can just from a shell you can just you can just um you can ssh into it and then send it over oh okay cool so so, so they they have they've basically not locked the device down at all right we could actually end up having a really nice ecosystem of people who build cool little projects. And there's a lot of people that are really into the Remarkable. I'm surprised how passionate people have been on Reddit, for example. Um, so maybe maybe there'll be some of these deficits will actually what, be built into what it. What so. someone ought to do is come up with a standard way of interfacing with it that everyone else can essentially buy IFTTT Remarkable Edition. And then let yeah. everyone else plug into that rather than having to write their own things or whatever, which I'm sure someone's working on, but that'd be pretty cool. Because that's how you get it to have a life beyond two years from now where Remarkable go bust or Google buy them and then shut them down. Yeah. One of which will happen. You heard it here first. What a world we live yeah. in where your piece of paper device 
you get the SSH password by going to settings about copyright, licenses, <laughs> general information, and you can SSH into your piece of paper. Wow, so I mean that's <laughs> that's downright supported at that point. Yeah, it seems like it, yes. I don't think the thing should be called remarkable hacks at all. I think it should be called remarkable basically official third party apps.com slash get involved. So what I hope that yeah, and what what I hope that they do is so a th- remarkable remarkable are a small company somewhere in Europe. I think they're in Nor- I think it's Norway. And um and they're a small team. And I think they built something that people really like and they they had this issue with just trying to be able to build enough of these things and send them especially with the pandemic raging um what i'm hoping that they're going to do is they're going to actually build a relationship with this open source community that's forming around some of these hacks and then start bringing some of these things into the official firmware this that you get on it thousand true fa- this is thousand true fans stuff right which would be amazing if they did that. And they could arguably start then revving the features on the device itself much more quickly and potentially hire some of these people who are doing this. Do you have a sense of whether they're profitable? Like, if they if they build a relatively small but relatively dedicated community and they're selling them a device for $400 and that device is costing them $390 to make, they're going to go bust. If it's costing them $12 to make... Um, they could be pebble and be sustainable if they wanted to be until they, you know, until pebble yeah, screwed it up. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I, I don't know. I mean, they've had $24 million of funding yeah. into them. Oh, oh, they've taken funding. Um, okay. Um, and uh, that's going to screw them up. Then. And I imagine that they're <laughs> now building them at a sufficient scale that they're making profits on the devices. Um, but I just, I don't know. Um, okay. So, I mean, I hope they're successful because I think they've actually built a really cool product. And with, with a few additional software features, it could have a much broader potential audience. But at least for me, for my, my use case, which might be, like I say, not typical, it's really nice. Can you think of any reason why they wouldn't open, why they shouldn't open source the software that it runs on? <laughs> I mean, I think that would be cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously they've got all the reasons that companies have, which is we're not going to do that because you know we haven't really got a reason. We're just not doing it. But there's no—it right. doesn't sound like there's any particularly secret source in there, right? You know, I mean, they're, I mean, they're, I they're, they're a hardware company. The thing they're selling you is the is the thing. There may be proprietary drivers, for example, that are used to control the screen because I'm sure that the screen is like a standard. I, I, Although I, I was thinking more that then people could contribute back features right kind of thing yeah. not particularly the people who contribute back ways to fiddle with the wi-fi stack <laughs> i mean what they should do is i think is they should allow people to be able to build plug-in integrations kind of like zapier zaps yeah where you can interface anything on the remarkable to anything else because i think they're, they're clearly what they're trying to do is they're trying to get people to sign up for a cloud service and that's how they have a more sustainable because, source because of revenue. they get ongoing revenue yeah those kind of marketplaces uh, which, are so difficult to build or else they end up like Zaps in that they're super brittle and almost do yeah. exactly what you want, but are just frustrating enough to not be a great user experience. Yeah. Yeah. Because the companies who you're integrating with never release them officially. Can you? Right? So it's- I got a stupid question. Uh, this is uh, quite a distance away from Remarkable now. But Jeremy, the point you made there, can you think of anyone who's made, uh, attempted to make... um? Uh, a cloud service with a sort of plug-in apps ecosystem for a device, and they've been actually successful at it. Not Apple, 
right? Obviously, I'm talking about, um, I mean, things like the Larmetric time that I've got with, with, with its little COVID clock on it, which John got for me. Um, is right. uh, they've got their own little marketplace um, where you can download apps for it, and that sort of works. But it's not like it's hugely popular or anything. And obviously it has the same disadvantage that all of these things do, which is when the company get bored, it stops working. But can you think of right. anyone who's done this successfully? Because I can't. A third-party really. ecosystem of apps? Yeah, where, I'm not exactly sure the question you're asking. Where um, where someone's trying to convince other people to build apps for their small hardware platform? Oh, for their small hardware platform, and, and it's been and it's been successful. I mean, yes, Apple and Google have managed it. Um, but I'm thinking more about things like this, where the apps are they'd have to be quite targeted. Um, so the remarkable or the Larmetric or um. I mean, I suppose I shouldn't have said that. Has has managed it. <laughs> <laughs> the Google Home or whatever. So the big players have managed this because they've got so they sell so many. But can you think of any hardware companies who are selling and have managed this? I mean, it's are tough you talking when about their niche because if their number of users aren't there to justify the time spent on writing the app, it's very difficult to get people aboard. So it is the Androids and the Apples, not yeah, small that's, niche. That's yeah, what, that's what I think. Everyone wants this, but because like Smart Hub, uh, Smart Things from Samsung has a super deep collection of people in the ecosystem writing apps for the for that. Oh, okay. Well, no, that's fair. Okay. I mean, it seems like this is an opportunity that Zapier should be digging into, where Zapier can go to someone like Remarkable and say, um, you pay us um, to create an integration, like a trigger integration. So they ship the Remarkable with support for Zapier. And then you sign up with a Zapier account, free account or a pro account, or whatever. And then you can say, okay, when I take my to-do notes then it integrates with todoist and it's done through zapier because like like you say like Z- remarkable they're never going to be able to convince most of the big to-do list software or to, Evernote, to whatever stuff to, yeah. to integrate directly but if everybody integrates with zapier like because zapier right now is one online service to another online service right yeah. but if they if they started doing that with devices that would be pretty inc- that'd be pretty cool it so, would, actually. Yeah, but yeah. they don't currently do it. I just went and looked up to see if Remarkable is <laughs> in the uh, in Zapier, and it is, in fact, not in Zapier. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but I mean, I think it's, I mean, I think overall it's a pretty, I think it's a pretty cool device, um, but I think there's definitely work to be done. And I haven't run any of the, like, Remarkable hacks binaries or anything like that, because it doesn't, I don't really need that, but might be worth looking into for those of you who want to use it and it doesn't do exactly what you want, whether it has those bits included. So, so uh, one of the things I wanted to do before we, um, before we stop recording here is uh, to thank Marius for doing all of our audio editing. Uh, Cause he's cool. <laughs> he's, uh, um, he is. he's Marius at nerdzoom.media. Uh, it came up. Um, um, someone was looking on Twitter for someone to uh, audio mix and master a podcast. And, and I was quite pleased to be able to say, hey, we think Marius is great. Go and talk to Marius about this. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And also, Marius has been a little bit under the weather this week. So I hope you feel better soon, Marius. I hope you haven't got the the, the Rona. Um, 
<laughs> I, I like so, the fact that we're saying this so we sound really kind of friendly, but actually he's going to hear it while he's up at 2.30 in the morning mixing our podcast outside his <laughs> regular job. So that's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe the reason why he's not feeling well is because he keeps <laughs> mixing people's podcasts. Um, however, I, I, I feel like... Um, there is a thing I ought to uh, I ought to bring up before we before we move on, and that I'm is quitting. no. You will recall I. I mean, I might be, but I'll probably mention it to you guys first. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it would be the polite way to do it. By the way, <laughs> no, no, no. This is um. You will recall that we did predictions, and uh, I was actually going to bring this one up since we didn't get time for news. Yeah, and uh, yeah. and and Mr. Bacon predicted that um Donald Trump would be. What was it? Temporarily banned, but not permanently banned. He'd Temporarily or- banned twice, yep. but not permanently banned. And at all. Um, a- as Jeremy <clears throat> is wont to point out, whenever we do these predictions, it had already happened once before the show came out, and then he was banned permanently within, I think, twenty-four hours of the show coming out. But now you have yes. like 320 plus days for him to get unbanned and your prediction could then come true. Uh, well, as you yeah, say, I'm in this- I feel like I'm going to point out that I predicted he'd be banned from Twitter. Per- I mean, admittedly, not for this year's predictions. It was like three years ago. But nonetheless, I did it and I was mocked to bollocks by you two that they would never do this. So Yeah, and I would argue- No, 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 What do you mean? No, 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 no. I would argue the fact that your prediction did, in fact, not come true <laughs> means that we were right in mocking you. Uh, if, this, if this is your On a long enough timeline, any prediction policy. becomes true. So I said a thing a long time Ooh. ago that doesn't matter. Um, well, I-, I would agree with you, Jeremy. Um, but uh, I think my prediction of Facebook spaces being <laughs> shit will long live I, on. <laughs> I, I, I feel like if you, John O'Bacon, were to have predicted a thing which came true just in the wrong year, that... You're suddenly going to not like the fact that you've got on this horse of no, no, you've got to get the air correct. <laughs> well, let, let me be very clear about something. It, when we recorded the show, <clears throat> he had not been suspended at all. And then I think I it don't was even either, think Marius would have been able to mix the show. It happened so quickly after yeah, we recorded. Right. I was still uploading the Dropbox. I think it might have, been, think it might have it happened like, from my point of view the same evening. We recorded the show. I think it was later we, that day. We even recorded it late. Didn't we? Yes. We, yeah. uh, we, we did the recording. Yeah. Like, so it was like half past nine or ten o'clock at night when we finished recording the show, from my point of view. And I think right. by midnight, yes. he's been suspended from Twitter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was unbelievably yeah. short time from. <laughs> it was, yeah, exactly. But it puts me in this really weird position now where I want Donald Trump back on Twitter <laughs> just so I can win the prediction. I don't actually want Donald Trump back on Twitter. But um, yeah, all this, uh, I mean, well, do you think he'll get reinstated? No. No, I don't think so either. Probably so. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so I think, yeah, I think I'm screwed on that one. So I don't know if you saw, yes. I did have a prediction about Bitcoin and that it was going to go wildly mm. in one of two directions, but I did see a couple of, I guess, amusing if you're not these people stories that have come <laughs> out in the last week. One of them, someone in Wales, uh, James Howells, threw away a hard drive with a digital wallet containing what was then a little-known, virtually worthless cryptocurrency called Bitcoin. Fast forward to today, and that hard drive is worth over $275 million. So he's, <laughs> he's actually got VC backing, and this is true, and went to the, um, the city council in Wales and offered them over $70 million to be able to go dig up their, the, where, the, where it is. 
<laughs> and interestingly, it's probably potentially findable because it, it's in a landfill. But it turns out in Wales, they're very organized about their landfills and there's a grid system with dates and he knows what week he threw it away. So he would roughly know where in the grid it could be if they give him that information. And so he, he's willing to give them $70 million that they can distribute to, to Wales. <clears throat> I'm not sure if this is an offer to buy Wales or, or just – I don't know what it is. <laughs> I, I think if you tried to um, buy Wales – But they said Wales, no. I think if you tried to buy Wales with $70 million, they'd have to give you $65 million in change. So <laughs> – <laughs> But, um, I mean, what, you got to feel for him. What I think is interesting is that, you know, you can imagine him having this discussion and um, the the Welsh Assembly going, uh, now, that's very interesting. We're going to need to discuss this proposal, um, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. And meanwhile, there's two Welsh guys legging it out the back with shovels, you know, <laughs> <laughs> heading off to the rubbish dip, going, no, we don't have to do a deal with this guy at all, because check it out. Here's a hard drive. <laughs> Uh, so did you say did you say that there's VC firms uh, helping to fund the search for this thing? They said that they would fund, yes, which is wow. wallet recovery as That's- a service is is right around the corner, I, I suppose. Although I did see Have an estimation ever- that roughly twenty percent of outstanding coins are are lost in some way, shape, or form, whether it's hard drive loss or you can't unencrypt your wallet. I know there's someone who said they have. A hundred million dollars worth of uh, Bitcoin, and they have two two password attempts left on their on their key before. Uh, oh my key. god! Did you make a movie that, out of that? This is um, Stephen Thomas, the guy who runs Coil, and uh, he's got he's got an Iron Key, one of the encrypted USB drives, and right. uh, you get ten guesses to get a password, and if you get it wrong ten times, it encrypts it. Um, you know, it just basically throws the data away, um, encrypts it so it can't be retrieved, and. He's used. He can't remember what the password is, and he's tried eight with his with his common passwords, and it's none of them. Um, but he's uh, that's apparently worth two hundred and twenty million dollars. The um, oh my god, the stuff that's on there. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> it's so but they said yeah, twenty percent. So one hundred and forty billion dollars currently yeah. just in the bin. That woof. Well, so wow. I think I might have told this story on the show before. But I'm reasonably convinced that back in the very early days of Bitcoin, I installed a Bitcoin wallet and a miner. Because I, I, I remember talking um, to this, uh, I'll show you how long ago it was, Aid Badshaw and I had a conversation mm. about it on Lug Radio um, because we'd had a conversation over BitMessage, which was some kind of um, chat messaging thing built on what we'd now call the blockchain. I suppose what they then called the blockchain, but I didn't know the name of it then. And I'm reasonably confident I got the minor thing and ran it for, you know, probably an hour <laughs> or something, and then went, yeah. whatever, <clears throat> this seems pointless, I don't care about it, and chucked it away. What I don't know is, I don't know how much you could have mined back then on a bog-standard ordinary computer in... I don't so know, I definitely mined long enough to go that you didn't even need a GPU. You could actually mine yeah. them with CPU. And I think in a reasonable amount of time, a few months, I mined nine, if I remember correctly. Nine Bitcoins. Wow. Yeah. See, that's um, – how much is our Bitcoin now? About $500 or something, right? Thirty. I thought it was much higher. I was going to say it's – Oh, this is the, the budget. Okay, so 30 grand. So, so that's $200,000 you had there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you bastard and, and, and i'm sure i i did something similar to this because i thought 
you know, every now and again, I'll, I'll copy my hard drive from machine to machine, or my uh, my um, my whole home directory is in a folder called old home directory inside my new home folder or whatever. And I did a little bit of digital spelunking around, just on the off chance there was a file there worth two hundred grand, but I couldn't find. <laughs> but wow, Jeremy, you had nine bitcoins. Yeah, eight or nine in that range. I do remember. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Although I also you know what the old old home thing i'm gonna now i'm gonna look <laughs> it was probably long enough ago that i i, I, I remember I, um, looking at some point a few years ago when it was I, at like 10 grand and I, I couldn't find it i've certainly at one point had four nested levels of a folder called old home directory inside which is a bunch of stuff <laughs> and another folder called old home directory and you sort of Dig, dig away like the caves at Lascaux or something, you know? or, or, or very carefully cleaning a painting. <laughs> oh, it's so true. Well, I mean, uh, to, give you, to, to, to give you an example of that, this is um, probably more a Jono thing than Jeremy, but um, I was uh, dropping something on my um, website earlier for a client to have a look at, and mm. I, I ended up SSH'd in, and I looked in the folder... And there was the code for Jackfield. Remember Jackfield? Really? Yeah. Because I thought it, I thought it was long gone. So I'm like, oh, cool. And I thought I'll download it and see if it still runs. And the answer is it doesn't. Because first of all, it's in Python two, which would still run. But secondly, it depends on GTK boss in bed, which doesn't exist anymore. Ah, um, yeah. So, so that's that's stalled in the first thirty seconds. But I'm like, oh, Jackfield. Wow, I'd forgotten all about this. I mean, that was like 2006 or something. I wrote that. Yeah. For those of you who don't know what Jackfield is, it was a uh, a project that he built, which was basically kind of like, what were they called on? Uh, they, on were, they were Apple's. Dad, the, the idea was um, everyone went through this little flurry of encouraging you to build tiny little applications out of HTML and CSS, which appeared on your desktop. So Apple did a thing called Dashboard. Uh, Opera did Opera Widgets. There was Confabulator. Um, uh, a couple oh, of people did it. And they, I think it was Confabulator. It was the Yahoo one, right? Um, and they're, and because they're all essentially just show a tiny web page without window borders, I thought, well, that's relatively easy to do. So I built Jackfield, which could do 80% of them and it worked yeah. fine. And then, and then that, that little Philip went away and people stopped doing that. Yeah. Dashboard is I, no, I, I, dashboard, I, I, is dashboard part of Mac OS still? <laughs> Come on, you're a Mac user. You're supposed to know this stuff. I'm typing it in. Do you do, do you do you not yeah, get told dashboard. when you do you not get told um told when you have to go back to Apple reindoctrination camp once a year or is your number not <laughs> oh, come up shut yet up. for 2021? Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> it's not once a year; it's once every two years. <laughs> <laughs> Off to eye camp. Um, so <laughs> eye camp. <laughs> um, but yeah. So I mean, I don't know. Jono, did do, do you have a load of Bitcoin we don't know about? Maybe no. you mined nine Bitcoin and kept them. <laughs> no, I mean I'm a complete luddite when it comes to these things. Like whenever something like that comes out, I I, I always struggle to understand. It took me years to understand just the concept of Bitcoin. I think I'm not like you two when it comes to this, let alone Jeremy actually mining <laughs> nine of them or whatever. I so. played a bunch of Dogecoin too. Oh wow! Of course, really? he did on the same hard drive. Yeah, I mean, much, much. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> many Bitcoin. <laughs> One of the things I thought was fascinating about um, the uh, Stephen Thomas thing is 
you know, you've got a bunch of people, yeah, Iron Key, they're really super duper secure and everything. And when he shows up on Twitter and goes, hey, guess what? I've got an Iron Key, which I can't get into with $220 million worth of Bitcoin on it. A shit, <laughs> a shitload of people are like, um, hey, well, why don't you try this to hack into the Iron Key? And you think, hey, you people never mentioned this stuff yesterday. <laughs> did they, did they? <laughs> and now I don't have a very clear pitch about whether... Everyone has a bunch of good ideas for hacking into Iron Keys they're just not mentioning, or whether this is all just, you know, flybernites and wannabes with no actual idea. I suspect it might be the latter to a reasonable extent. But yes, um, um, so listeners, if you've got uh, a USB drive with uh, nine whole Bitcoins on it, feel free to send one of them over to us, or at, yes. le- or at least let us know on our Slack channel. Yes, I agree. Go to the Slack channel. Let us know what you think. And also, um, let us know what you think about our conversation about The Remarkable. Have you got one? If so, what do you think about it? Have you got these other kind of electronic notebooks that people are playing with, like whether it's the Rocket Book or whether it's some of the other ones, like with the, the fully digital tablets? Um, let us know. Yeah, very we curious if any listeners are using either, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and definitely go and follow us on Spotify. Now we're on there. Anything else? No, leave us a review on iTunes. That's That's a good idea. You should do that. Leave a review on iTunes, definitely. A podcast. Apple Podcasts, whatever. I don't know what it's called. I'm (laughs) confused. Um, It's probably not called iTunes anymore, is it? Yeah, whatever it's called. Leave us a review there. Yeah, exactly. Go there. All right. Later, skaters. Later, skaters.